0: Hello, and welcome to the Stadium Tech Report podcast. I'm Phil Harvey, but enough about me. Joining me from Boulder, Colorado, let's say hello to the editor-in-chief of the Mobile Sports Report, Mr. Paul Kaputska. Hello, Paul. Hello, Phil. Paul, we are talking all about the Olympics, and my oh my, there are so many things to talk about. (laughs) We've got multiple stadiums all in one city all broadcasting and trying to get people's attention uh, it it was both uh, a cacophony of uh sweetness and light and also a little bit of madness and disappointment
1: I would, I would agree
0: so let's get right to it we got a bunch of stories to cover here um the the in the big lead uh, usa today's sports section um the coverage took a bit of a beating. Here's the headline. NBC is stuck in 20th century with Olympics coverage faces uncertain future. (laughs) So everything's going well. (laughs) Yeah,
1: much like Ryan Lochte, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well,
0: so the article brings out that Rio had everything going for it as far as TV goes. It was in the right time zone, you know, best time zone since the summer games in '96. Um, Mm. had these incredible athletes. So in the gold medal rounds, uh, you know, Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, uh, they were, you know, each time they competed, it was uh, in a a primetime event and those were carried live. And that's just so great for the networks. So everything's fine, right?
1: Mm.
0: Not quite. Uh, The results were great. This is from the article. Standard TV ratings were down significantly from 2012, though the closing ceremony ended on, Uh, um, and it says the, the closing ceremony ended on a particularly sour note ratings dwarfed all competition, but it says that NBC was basically televising to an audience equivalent of one college football game every Mm. night. And even with that large audience, uh, NBC had to give some make goods to advertisers for missing its ratings targets. So make goods, if you're not in the media industry is just the advertiser paid for so much of an audience. If you didn't achieve that audience, you have to give away ads or give away other things in order to uh, uh, make good or make them happy. So those results don't uh, bode well for the future. The tape delaying uh, caused a bit of uh, people to be upset. And in general, We've, we, we're left with this sort of the this, this story leaves us with this feeling that broadcast television's coverage of the Olympics is really up in the air right
1: now. Yeah, I and I, I agree with that take. And I would say that I think when, you know, after a few years, when we start looking back, this Olympics, the coverage, uh, the TV coverage, the media coverage, you know, the online coverage, we're going to look back and say, this was a watershed moment. This was the time when Broadcast, you know, monoliths like NBC, and more importantly, I think the advertisers realize that the same old formulas—they they just don't work anymore. Yeah, we don't we don't live in a world where you can control, uh, you know, the distribution of information. It's out there. It's instant, and people are not only, you know, not only know about that; they're addicted to it. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story of my own. Uh experience at the start of the olympics i was on a family raft trip we were off in the wilderness of idaho no internet no cell phones i mean that part was great we came back into civilization the first night we're sitting in a a restaurant having a you know group goodbye dinner and of course the olympics are on and we're watching some you know clearly something that's tape delayed because it's in bright sunlight in the middle of the day it's the women's soccer game And somebody turns to me and says, hey, isn't Usain Bolt running tonight? Isn't the 100 finals tonight? Yeah. And I, you know, being a digital guy, had the NBC app on my phone. So I I clicked it open, and sure enough, right then, the finals of the 100 are going on. Oh, how sweet. We're in the Western United States, so we're on the tape delay. Right. So I'm sitting here, you know, I put my phone up on the table, everybody at the table is watching the final. People in the restaurant are coming over from other tables. You know, there's big screens all around the restaurant showing this soccer game, and everybody's ignoring that to watch my phone. And while it was great to be able to see that on your phone, it's happening live, and I I don't know if you watched any of the streams, The, the streaming stuff was great because there was no... NBC storytelling, it was raw, I live know. I mean it was what you want, right, it's action right. and I'm sitting there thinking, what is wrong with this why isn't this thing, you know, even if you're watching a tape delay why don't they break into the tape delay and say, right now live, 100 meter finals, I, I just I, I cannot comprehend the decision making being so stuck in the past because I, I know some of the other things we're going to talk about, you know, yeah, I, I had the numbers on TV being down 17% yeah. from London, which is just ridiculous. Stunning. I mean, I mean. It, it was was teed up for such a success. But, you know, I, again, I think this is a watershed moment. I think this is a moment when we saw the shift in audience saying, no, I'm not going to watch your primetime you know, theatrical garbage. I just want sports.
0: And here's the thing too. Why would you in your right mind take exclusive content?
1: Exclusive. It's yours.
0: Make it worse and then show it later.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's bad food, but there's plenty of it.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. It does have that Vegas buffet (sighs) feel to it. Um, yeah, they, and you know, the, the strange and again, perfect analogy for what is happening here but there were other sort of people that had talked about how there were so many interesting olympic stories that happened oh my God. And, and bob costas and and the main nbc uh crew would be spending time talking to people like sean white who don't even matter um you yeah, know the the, I- the skateboarder who barely uh registers you know right. <laughs> as an athlete these days it's like you know it, meanwhile you know other things are happening and they're spending time just basically um i don't know tell telling stories but not telling the stories that are happening right there and infol- unfolding right there in front of us that all of us are streaming at the same time which is really weird yeah i, I just yeah in the new york times uh quentin hardy's column uh said uh how streaming it's just titled how streaming is changing sports watching um he notes perhaps half a million a day uh half a million people a day watch the events on live streams and a disproportionate number of those were probably in the coveted group of 18 to 34 year olds some of that may have been forced by NBC itself, which delayed the broadcast, uh, as we were saying, uh, to show events during primetime, sacrificing the immediacy of uh, uh, hopes of a a larger viewing audience. You know, again, the New York Times is even pointing this out. You're you're delaying the inevitable, and you're sort of daring people to go find a better experience online,
1: which is never a good idea. (laughs) No, because they will. Right, people will find a better experience online. And look, you know, even though you know we talk about huge numbers, the Super Bowl this past year was what 112 million viewers. Yeah, that that seems huge, but I mean, compared to the total population of the world, it's it's really a very 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 tiny percentage. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, are you sacrificing like the idea of? you know maybe attracting hundreds of millions by just doing things live doing them all cross platform i mean look, the technology is here figure out the rights contracts you know figure out the ways to make the advertisers happy i just you know i was looking at some of the 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 digital stats myself and and yeah it, they they were blowing out of the water and it and it was hard for people to find this stuff but they still found it
0: yeah and that's the thing when you when you don't put on a premium presentation in front of people you are uh, and that goes for tv audiences and stadium audiences you are telling them hey folks this is gonna suck go find something online and like you say they will from from the guardians coverage uh the headline empty seats all around rio 2016 olympic stadium as as athletics begin Um, this is, uh, the the lead paragraph sums it up. Poor crowds were once again the main talking point at the Rio Olympics as the athletics got underway in pouring rain on Friday morning. There were vast swaths of empty seats all around the the main Olympic Stadium for the first morning of track action with barely a couple of thousand spectators in in a 60,000 seat capacity venue when the session started. Uh, You know, and okay, okay, maybe the weather had a factor, but that's not really an excuse because when something is uh when an nfl playoff game is going on uh it it can be any kind of weather you like and people are going to find their way into that stadium
1: right right Uh, i I mean in some of that you can say you know there was a lot of pre-games publicity that gave you know not just star athletes but even casual fans who might you know and we're talking about the the one of the one 1% of the 1% here right uh-huh, sure. we're talking about people who will spend money to go to a super bowl or get to go to a college championship the olympics are are a bucket list event but for whatever reason it, people didn't go to rio and then even if they were in rio they didn't show up in the stadiums and i don't know if you can circle this back to the fact that it it they knew they could just watch this on their phones they knew that they could just watch this you know on on an international feed how does that change the game day behavior of whether you show up or not yeah
0: and well it also it it tells me too that digital has a role in getting people to the stadium and maybe that wasn't being used as um you know in a localized and sort of specific way like what were what what was the digital content strategy uh, that uh, nbc used to get people's butts in the seats that day and you know zero they, zero as far it, as i could tell yeah and exactly i was on the
1: ground but i, I didn't see it and, and you know i will i, I think this ta- this point is actually very pertinent to our you know our readers our listeners who are looking at their own stadiums and saying mm-hmm. you know what do i take away from this There's another story that happened this summer where the Pac-12 announced that it was cutting back on its night game schedule. Now, I I don't know if any of you are college football fans. I'm sure a lot of you are. You know that, you know, like 10 or 11 at night on the weekends on ESPN 7 or whatever, (laughs) you can always find, you know, a late night college game being broadcast from somewhere. And these games were terrible timing i mean being out here in colorado last year the the football team wasn't that great so Uh they got sentenced if you will to many of those 8 p.m 9 p.m pacific time starts and you know i'm sitting here what what is my motivation to go out to a stadium for a 9 p.m start Uh, i mean it's just you're talking about one of the worst experiences ever so Mm -hmm. is it I, I think what you're seeing now is that some teams might be saying, you know what, we're going to give up that broadcast, quote unquote, TV slot because we don't want our stands empty. Yeah, we'll we'll take the cut, we'll take the hit. Maybe we'll broadcast it ourselves. Maybe we'll forego the conference deal. I, I just see, I foresee a lot of changes in the near future uh, because of things like the Olympics. If you can't fill an Olympic stadium how are you going to fill a division two game on a friday night
0: yeah and, and the olympics has that you know unassailable advantage of being every four years and 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 hardly ever in the same spot.
1: <laughs> it's scarce, right? <laughs> so
0: the scarcity should automatically you know, uh, rank right up there sure. with one of the top most attended events. Um, from the BBC's coverage, uh, Rio Olympics 2016, games, games organizers not disappointed by crowds. And so this is the spin mm-hmm. back the other way where they claimed right. that 58% of the available tickets in the first session were sold and 65% for the evening session were sold. And so Rio organizers said, that uh, they weren't dismayed by the number of empty seats. I, mm. I'll i call BS on that. I, I yeah. think that when you run such a scarce event one time in your city and people don't show up for it, it certainly says something. Now, we've talked about how digital is obviously the component here, but it also sort of says that the structure of the games themselves, maybe we need to prepare ourselves for the fact that some of these games are simply better events in digital
1: yeah no i I completely agree and and i think this leads into some of the other discussion i've seen around saying look it it's time to give up the ghost on this you know we need to move the olympics all around the world let's find three or four good cities you know and, and this is not a new idea this has been but i think it's going to gain more more favor you know a paris Los Angeles, maybe London, and, you know, um, something in Asia, Tokyo, or or something like that. And and just make, and Greece, obviously, and make them, you know, four or five rotating spots. That way, I think, look, you get, you can build up facilities that are close to each other, that are digitally equipped to do the kind of things. And I know you may have some points here about how going to an Olympics, you know, having connectivity inside the stadiums is hugely important because oh, yeah. you want to see what's going on at beach volleyball while you're at swimming or you know in the winter olympics same thing right you're on the ski hill you've got a minute between runs why not be watching ice skating on your phone right but but i think more importantly you condition people to saying oh yeah you know it's going to be in la it, it's sort of like um i don't know like they do with the british open where you know they have a set number of courses and every year it, it goes somewhere else it I, I think it becomes easier for fans to know that they're going to go there, and it's going to be a quality experience. The stadiums are there. I, I mean, Rio. I mean, you had no idea, right? If the buses were going to run, of oh, Soshi, yeah. like sochi, right? I mean, yeah, you had no idea if you were going to have one toilet or four toilets in your bathroom. <laughs> it's always bad. <laughs> I digress. Yeah, but you well, get, I think you get my point, and I do think digital. You know what's both what's on the ground, and, and to your point, you know what was NBC's plan for getting local people around, it, it just seemed like there was no plan at all.
0: No, and see, that's the thing, is they, they were solely focused on a handful of prime time moments when the, what they're missing is the entire world <laughs> is, right. is obsessed with all the stuff in between. I mean, you have to think about these microscopic audiences. What about the right. group of decathletes in you know in universities who are only watching the sort of b-roll coverage of that event that's all they're interested in well how much does it cost to broadcast that filmed footage that you probably have anyway you know because if you're nbc you have to have cameras everywhere and deciding what to broadcast at that point i think it's it's not a decision about what to broadcast the answer is you package it well and you broadcast all of it the the choosy part can be what actually happens in real time and what goes on prime time but i think they really should have used the prime time slots as summary uh you know a, a summary yeah. schedule of all the stuff that was broadcast live
1: yeah no like a uh, the old bring back the old wide world of sports format for that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? i mean just wow, it, it, it was just so stunningly bad in yeah. in the commercial and, and i mean i want to say something too about the commercials here Right at, at the same time, we're we're slamming, you know, a 20th century approach to programming. I, I think the same has to be said about commercials. I, I was counting one night; there were eight commercials in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's just viewer abuse, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, why not convince advertisers to do more things like they do in soccer with the three quarter screen or the, you know, the L. I don't know if you know what yeah. I'm talking about, where yeah, the, yeah. the ads come in on the bottom and on the side. I, I don't mind that. I mean, you're still right. watching the action, but eight commercials in a row? Are you kidding?
0: Right, yeah. And and especially when so many of these things like gymnastics and other things are, you know, more than three-quarters of the time spent watching is the athlete setting
1: up, you know? <laughs> i watched more people take showers Uh, yeah (laughs) in this olympics that i've ever spent in the shower myself you watch the diving competition these guys are going in the shower in the hot tub i'm like really
0: right You, you only have those sports like volleyball where it's and basketball where there's continuous sort of meaningful action Right. There's, there's a lot of you know people Soccer, powder- maybe too yeah there's a lot of people powdering their hands and you know adjusting things wow. and whatever
1: <laughs>
0: and it's just it's not it's not the it's not that compelling especially for when so much else is going on now here's something for stadium uh, for, for people who run stadium networks and people who are running events live events in stadiums don't think for a minute that because you strike a broadcast deal or because your sport has is the owner of uh you know uh, of the rights to some global event that that really matters in the end uh the story from mashable that says uh uh, facebook touts 1.5 billion interactions for its rio olympics coverage um buried in that story a little bit is this very telling paragraph facebook not a broadcast rights holder uh, or sorry, not broadcast rights holder NBC or any other news network <laughs> had the exclusive for U.S. swimmer Michael Phelps' official retirement announcement. I, you know, he went on Facebook because that's what you do. You know, that's where his audience is. That's what he's used to using as a uh, as, as a youngin. <laughs> right. And and so and that undercut, um, you know, NBC for all the money it paid here's a here's a worldwide exclusive that happened right under their nose that they completely missed.
1: Right. And I mean what were the the numbers from that Facebook 100 or well, 1.5 billion interactions mm-hmm. during the Olympics and they paid zero in rights fees. Right.
0: that's the that's the important thing. It's like so, you know, I I I just it's something to consider, you know, when you're signing those deals for those stadium rights and those broadcast rights and all of that keep in mind that if you have connectivity in your stadium facebook twitter uh periscope snapchat periscope. instagram uh those are all also sharing your, the exclusivity whether you want it to <laughs> want them to or not um and that's that's i mean that to me was interesting because if if that had happened you know uh you know like like if if it had been nbc's preference that would have happened while sitting next to bob costas you know? right
1: in front of a fireplace somewhere right <laughs> right well it's perfectly stage. instead I, I think it was I, I mean i'm looking at at some of the coverage he's like just periscoping yeah. or he's just doing something with his phone yeah he's facebook like the, live the and the logos behind him are backwards so he's like using the front facing <laughs> camera it's like yeah there's no production value and who cares three Three million nine hundred ninety-eight thousand views, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much do you need, Bob Costas and the fireplace and the dancing flames? I just, you know, I, I do think people are way more interested in real live original stuff. The the you know the the final lesson I think on all this is just give it up. It, you know, instantaneous is where it's at. Right. Um, it, you know. The take is where it's at having having all that nailed down I mean how does that even happen when you're paying 12 billion for Olympics <laughs> rights fees yeah I, I, I don't know
0: well that's uh, we'll get to that in one sec um, the Phelps video I just have to mention uh, generated at, at the time you know that this mashable story was written it generated more than 3.97 uh, million views so no. th- again you know you talk Stone. about sagging ratings on one side. And then you have a worldwide exclusive that generates 4 million views uh, in in video and in real time from, uh, you know, direct from Phelps to his fans. So right. the TV networks have have their work cut out for them. And, uh, and here's the the uh, the, the kicker. Uh, Bloomberg, uh, the story says NBC's $12 billion Olympics bet stumbles thanks to millennials. Um, so, again, to... to hammer home the point. Um it said primetime broadcast viewership has been down about seventeen percent compared to the London games, we covered that already. And then uh it says the audience in the eighteen to forty nine year old age group, which is of course all that ever advertisers care about, has been twenty five percent smaller. And this is according to Bloomberg intelligence. So it's worth noting that NBC didn't publish these figures, but this is probably, you know, knowing how Bloomberg does their sort of data, it's probably a on the side of being conservative, because a lot of the Olympics, um, you know, viewers yeah. tend to be, you know, uh, under 50 because, uh, you know, of the very nature of being interested in athletics and being, uh, right. classmates and peers and, and fans of some of these athletes.
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, sort of to go back to your thing about Phelps and the Facebook, I, I think for teams and schools and especially for, you know ones that and it doesn't matter if you're a big school or a small school i, I think we're going to see more these kind of numbers are gonna give them more license to experiment with things outside their regular quote unquote deals. I think you're gonna see a lot more uh, things like coaches, press conferences, you right. know come come see us on Facebook, uh, you know more um, live things like come to. You know the the coaches' press conference after a basketball game. Instead of being done in a locker room, they'll do it in a more theater setting. Let fans in, or, or do it back out in the stadium. I, I just feel like you know the the numbers are there. People are interested in this kind of stuff, and they all have a way to get there. Yeah, you know, and I, I, it, I think it's do you try to get to them? Do you make it easy or do you make it hard?
0: That's the thing I, I think that's really the the ultimate question is is access and and being an enabler versus uh, you know pr- uh, you know uh, delivering abundance versus uh, trying to create scarcity? you know mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's the thing and and TV networks um, you know were, I'm gonna say, kind of enjoyed a near monopoly status. And so they are used to being protectionist about content. Yes. And and about access and about things like that, where, um, you know, millennials are used to everything being accessible right when they need it. And I think that's going to be the prevailing mindset, especially if you're a facility owner or a team owner. You have to embrace that now. That starts with amazing digital access in terms of uh, connectivity. Yes. Yes. Um, it, it, it also starts with, let's say there are two stadium events happening right next to one another. Um, what are the odds that the person sitting in that stadium would like to open their phone and quickly peek at the other event while they're in downtime?
1: Oh, yeah. And, I, I mean, Bill Schlau from the San Francisco Giants notes that uh, you know every spring while baseball games are going on, their Wi-Fi network is carrying huge loads of bandwidth as Giants fans are watching the Warriors in the NBA playoffs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I think even after one game, they put it up on the big screen, you know, to let people view, but yeah, people, even if they're at your event, they're living in real time. Right. That's a great point.
0: They're, they're living in real time and you just have to facilitate that access. And you know, it's interesting because shows like HBO's hard knocks are already so popular. Oh, yeah. The only thing HBO's Hard Knocks is is an extension of the game, you know, to behind the scenes practices, et cetera, et cetera. So they've already sort of mapped out a template for what is this going to look like on your phone? And what is this going to to uh, what sort of narrative are we telling by, you know, exposing uh, uh, longer and longer, you know, periods of, like you said, a c- uh, access to coaches' press conferences, access to player interviews, players talking to themselves about what happened during a game, players mouthing off, you know, with hmm. one another about practices. Right. Hey, if you're a fan of the game, of any game, you're you're going to be there for all of that. You eat it up, yeah. You're just eat it up. Um, let's talk about. Uh, let's. It's. Uh, Talk about some stories uh, here that, uh, <laughs> that that you know that 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 have gone along with uh, the ideas of, uh, of of digital and time shifting and all that. So you have something to tell from the I, Orange Bowl.
1: I do. This is ancient. This is pre-internet days. This is back in my sports writing days. Um, back in 1990, actually, when the University of Colorado football team was a challenger for the national championship and they were playing in the Orange Bowl against I, Notre Dame. Huh. At the time, at the very same time that night, I had been off covering other bowl games, and I was in Arizona covering the University of Colorado women's basketball team for a game that night. So we covered the game, and everybody, and I covered the game, the team played the game, went back to the team hotel, and we had all agreed... That nobody would call anybody, nobody would find out the score, <laughs> and we would watch a taped version of the game. Nice. Yeah, you know, we just we closed ourselves in to a hotel conference room. Yeah, you know, we had popcorn, soft drinks. We were watching the game, but of course I left at halftime to go make a call to the office oh. to say to check on my story to make sure my story was in. Yeah. And of course somebody got in the copy desk and said, "Well, you know, the buffs won." Oh. Like, no. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure everybody in the old, I mean, right, we we all have those those experiences. Don't tell me I taped the game. It just doesn't work. It never worked. And even more so now, it's just not going to work. But, you know, this is, I think, a thing that we've known for years and years, that nothing beats immediacy.
0: I don't know a single college football fan that has ever attended a, <laughs> a Saturday wedding that didn't get in trouble for sneaking out to the car for just a right. few minutes. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> we now interrupt these vows to bring you a score from LSU Alabama. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and
0: then and then tries to, to uh, you know bite their tongue as they go to the reception. You know, with right. a dumb grin on their <laughs> face. <All right. laughs> we are. We are. Yeah, well, all right. Well, thanks for that, Paul. We are uh, uh, wrapping up here. How can listeners to this podcast find out more about uh, what's going on at Mobile
1: Sports Report? Uh, Very conveniently, they can go to the cleverly named website, which is www.mobilesportsreport.com. There you will find daily news, daily analysis. You will find very easy to find links to this podcast series, this excellent series of discussions we've had. You can also sign up for our weekly email newsletter, again, cleverly notated with a box at the upper right hand of our uh, website page. And you can also download our quarterly reports and brand new, the 2016 State of the Stadium Technology Survey. Our survey of over 90 top stadiums in the U.S. and around the world about what they're doing with technology, what their deployments are like it's all free to readers all you need to do is find it again mobilesportsreport.com
0: fantastic uh on behalf of the mobilesportsreport.com i'm phil harvey and on behalf of paul kapuska you can find me on uh, at future phil on twitter and uh thanks so much for listening to the stadium tech report podcast